Coming up after 1 o'clock, we will go live to Philadelphia where Eagles fans have trampled through the streets in celebration of their Super Bowl victory. Saw a, a video of one guy running along the tops of a row of porta-potties. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, I just want to hear about all the hijinks that, that has happened, what, what they've set on fire. The entire city, perhaps? Coming up in Swamp Watch in the 12 o'clock hour, we'll go live to Capitol Hill. Find out all the details on this budget deal that uh, no one seems to like, but everyone has agreed upon. Yeah, they want to get it out of the way. Uh, San Bernardino County DA Mike Ramos is joining us to talk about this parole board stuff. Mike, I just want to apologize if you did hear that pajamagram commercial. That's fine. (laughs) I don't want to ruin my credibility before we get into our Uh, story because it's very serious. A little late. Might be a little late. No, it's all right. Uh, Okay. Mike, Mike, we spent yesterday talking with uh, DA out of L.A. County, uh, John Lewin. Sure, sure. Who uh, went and spent some time before the California Parole Board because there was a guy that he put away a handful of years ago, a, a yeah. murderer, killed his yeah. wife. Right. And uh, William Bradford. William Bradford, who yep. subsequently threatened John's life as yep. well as his wife and children behind bars. And uh, the parole board heard from John, heard from William Bradford's daughter, who's terrified of her own father, and still rubber stamped his get out of prison free card. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you had a, a rough month there in San Bernardino County with this parole board as well. Absolutely. I've had six convicted murders granted parole in one month. And uh, it's scary. You know, uh, that case in L.A. you talked about, I've been following that. Um, I've got lawyers that have prosecuted some of these individuals that have been released, uh, and they are concerned. And how about the family members? You know, you had in this case, you just talked about the daughter said, please don't do it. And I just don't get it. I don't know if these new parole board members, what, what are they, they? They have blinders on. They, they're not listening. I mean, this whole trend that's taken place in the last few years, I will say, is scary. It didn't used to be this way. I've been fortunate to be DA now in my 16th year, and when I started this job, I created the Life of Parole Unit, sending my veteran lawyers to parole hearings uh, for victims' families, and we would work with the board uh, to really do the right thing. Now it's turned into an adversarial proceeding where we're fighting them to keep these murderers in prison. You mentioned um, what you believe now is these parole hearings and the board of of, of parole is an adversary when it comes to what the prosecutors in the state are trying to do. I truly believe that. I know from my own experience in my county, it's a constant battle. You know, this this most recent parole, uh, they're granted to this defendant monk who killed his wife when she was uh, 26, uh, 26, 27 years old. He hadn't done anything. He hasn't showed any remorse. And, you know, the, the last parole hearing, they suggested to him, well, if you take an anger management class, that will really help and take that into consideration, plus this whole new ridiculous assessment tool called age. Yeah. If you're 60 or Okay, so above, wait, that's new? Because I thought that yeah. was just an archaic rule that we needed oh, to no. update. That's something that the governor put in place and the parole uh, and CDCR put in place. Um, and, and I'll say it's uh, to empty the prisons on the back of uh, victims' family members. Just because you're 60 or above doesn't mean that you should get extra points to get out of prison if you're a murderer. I understand if there's other cases, but you have to take the fact that this 
person took somebody's life. And I'm talking about murders, not aiders and abettors that were at the wheel of a car in a bank robbery. No, these people are the people that put the gun to people's heads, that threw them over cliffs, uh, that shot them more than once, that killed elderly, 79-year-old woman, a nine-year-old, excuse me, a nine-month-old baby. This is this is horrendous. Let's I, I talk about the, the case uh, of Herman Monk, who sure. was paroled uh, last yeah. month. Walk us right. through what he did. Yeah, what he did was he uh, he got his, at the time, he was married to the victim. He was 42. She was 20, 27, I believe. And he had got her to come out to California. She had moved away from him, and they had in common a two-and-a-half-year-old child. And he got her out here, uh, talked her into coming out to talk about the divorce, took her up to an area called Lytle Creek in San Bernardino County, took her to a cliff, a 3,500-foot drop, pushed her over the cliff with their two-and-a-half-year-old there present, and then noticed that she wasn't dead yet, uh, according to the facts. And he went down, took up a boulder, and smashed her head in. Um, he was convicted, and the deputy DA uh, in our office that convicted that case, Lewis Cope, is a good lawyer, and said this man should never be released from prison ever again because he actually had threatened the family member of this victim, too. You get in my way, I'm going to kill you, his former father-in-law, the victim's father. And he stays, you know, he's been in prison now. He had 25 to life. And he hadn't done anything as far as rehabilitation until the parole board pressed and said, hey, look, you might want to take this, you know, anger management course. Really? You think that's going to help after 25 years? When you take a rock and bash it into someone's head after throwing them off a cliff in the presence of their child, an anger management class (laughs) is ridiculous. I agree. I truly agree. And what people forget about justice, okay, I understand deterrence and rehabilitation, but the third prong is punishment. And when you take a person's life intentionally with malice of forethought like this case, that means you should lose your life. Even if it's not the death penalty, that's how you should serve the rest of your time. And then, you know, you already talked about it. You know, the public safety issue. We've got murders out in the streets. I don't know where they're living. You don't. You know, I, I mean, understand. I, I mean, I, I don't agree with it, but I do understand the thought of the true believers when they talk about, uh, you know, reclassifying nonviolent offenders and all sure, the propositions sure. that we've seen. I don't like it, but I can kind of understand that line of thinking. Yeah. I don't get this at all. This I strange. don't get letting convicted murderers out at 60 years old because suddenly 60 means their killing is done. 60, like right. you said earlier, Gary, is the new 40. I mean, we're living very long. And yeah. 60, there's a hell of a lot of life left that you get to leave, live that, that, that your victim doesn't. I totally agree with you. Uh, absolutely true. It's, it's just uh, another factor they put in there, and I hate to say it, but no, I don't hate to say it. I will say it. It's to reduce the prison population. It's ridiculous. We're talking with DA Mike Ramos from San Bernardino County. Mike, do you have any contact with the individual Board of Parole Hearings commissioners? Is there a way to... to for you yeah. to make an appeal, I mean, not even as the DA of a county, yeah. but as a as a, a guy living in the state to say something to these guys. Well, here's. 
two things. I have lawyers that attend the parole hearing, so they have contact with them. And I have, and I will again call the governor. I have called the governor about a murder in Chino. And in that situation, he did reverse the parole uh, board's decision. But then a few years later, that individual has since been released. So it's, it's a constant battle. I think it's a battle against the philosophical, um, uh, I'll say it, soft on crime approach in Sacramento. And we got to keep fighting it. And I appreciate that you're putting this out there to the public. People have to get sick and tired of this, especially, especially when we're talking about murderers. And unfortunately, it's like we're going to have to wait until one of these guys is paroled and, and, and kill somebody. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And we all pray that does not happen. But the fact remains that when you have a prosecutor that's concerned for himself and his family in Los Angeles, you've got family members of these other murderers that are concerned, and they have no idea in most of the situations that these people are being released from prison. In 2017, I was shocked. We had 38 killers paroled, granted parole, in San Bernardino County. Ridiculous. And they don't, they don't, do they notify anybody? I mean, other than just headlines that, you know, a small... Uh, I think you have to sign up to yeah. to get the notifications. You have to sign up to get the notification. And even when you sign up to get the notification, there are times you get notified after the fact. That's pretty bad. <laughs> That's just such a slap well, in the well, face to are, the victims' yeah. families. You what know, that lived through I mean, this horror once. And you, you, Mike, you at least have the... Uh, the um, opportunity to speak to the governor. I mean, if right. I if I called the governor, he's not going to take my phone call. What is it that I can do that at least puts the brakes on this board of parole hearings and their commissioners letting these guys out all the time? Everybody has a representative, whether it's assembly or the state senate. We need to get in their ears and we need to talk to them. Look, you're supposed to represent us. This needs to be done, and that's that's uh, every citizen has that right, and they will listen, especially if they get enough phone calls. You know, hopefully after hearing this show, the, the citizens out there will call their representatives and say, enough of this. We need to get back in place a parole board that's going to be fair, that's going to think about victims' rights before they think about the killer's rights. Hey, how did they get on the parole board? How does that work? Well, it's an appointment by the governor, um, and um, when I was first elected in 2003, we had a Governor Schwarzenegger who appointed some parole board members that I worked with that were very fair. And when I say fair, I don't mean fair conservative, you know, but tough, tough fair. But no, they they would look at the 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 cruelness, the the especially in murder cases, the callousness of the crime and how. It, occurred, and that would be a big factor for them. I think the current board members that are sitting, and I'd like to, uh, that's part of the research we're going to start doing. Who are they? How, who, what was their background? And how is it that they're making these decisions? And I've already been, I know they don't like me, uh, CDCR, and the parole's <laughs> are already coming after me. I'd wear that like a badge of honor. <laughs> I do. That's your re-election campaign. I want to talk real quick about Mark Barros. Okay. This is a guy, and this is just one of those, another case that I, I can't understand the people right. that sit on the parole board looking at the facts of the case and saying, mm-hmm. yeah, this is somebody we want to let out into the California community. Right. Uh, right. This was a guy who in 1990 was, was dating a, a young girl, right. 16-year-old Stacy Gilliam. Mm-hmm. She tries to break up with him. 
and he slashes her throat and stabs her multiple times. Right. Right. That sounds like somebody you want living next door to you. Isn't I mean, it's that, like you said, it's not like an aiding and abetting no, thing. It, this is this is a direct murder with intent, uh, malice aforethought, just to brutally murder and take somebody's life. And now we're talking about putting this person back on the streets. I I can tell you right now, I don't care what kind of programs he did in prison, what he did to say he rehabilitated himself. Number one, it is way too soon to release him. Number two, as I indicated before, if you take the life of another in that type of crime, in in those fact patterns that you just discussed, shouldn't you give up your life? I can't imagine her family members and her friends, how they're feeling about this. Uh, in fact, I can't imagine. They've got to be sick to their stomachs. There was a, uh, there was a spokesperson for, uh, for the California Department of Corrections Rehabilitation, Vicki Waters, who said that you were wrong on your facts about this and that you're politicizing this very serious process. Yeah. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't understand, first of all, where you go to PR school to put out a statement like that. Yeah. But because what they're doing is they're gambling with our safety. They're, Absolutely. They're they're gambling with my kids' safety. Yeah. And that's the frustrating part is I feel like there's a there's almost an untouchable nature of what is this yeah. the the board of uh, parole commissioners. Well, I'll tell you, it was very offensive, her comments to me, because it's not political. I've been fighting for victims' rights since 2003. I serve on the California Victims' Compensation Board, both appointed by both Governor Brown and Governor Schwarzenegger. I created the, the Life or Parole Unit to make sure these killers stay in prison. It has nothing to do with politics and everything to do with victims' rights. And I will continue to fight that. I was co-chair of Prop 66, the death penalty reform. Not about politics, about family members who have lost loved ones to murder. So for this person to say that about me, she doesn't know who I am, doesn't have any idea, but I know what they're doing. And it's you can see the facts, the cases that you're talking about. They're releasing murders back into our streets, and that's scary. They did say that they, they do reject parole about 80% of the time. But that one in five that they let through, yeah. especially when the six of them all go back to San Bernardino County, like you were talking about uh, last month yeah. that they approved, I mean, that's just got to be... I mean, it, that's a punch in the face for all of us. It is a punch in the face. And, you know, I love when they so, show throw percentages out there, 80%. Okay, well, last year you released 38 killers from my county. In one month, you released six. So percentages mean nothing when you talk about the numbers, the real numbers of killers that are being put back on the streets of not only San Bernardino County, but the state of California. Well, Mike, we appreciate it. We love the fight that you have in you, and uh, any, you. any help you need, you just let us know. Well, I think what you did, just putting it on the radio today, hopefully the citizens will get a hold of their legislators and say enough already. Mike, thanks so much. Mike Ramos, Thank you. San Bernardino County District Attorney there. God, it's just maddening, isn't it? And I, well, just, I go back to the whole thing about, um, you know, the low-level offenders and nonviolent, even though they do classify some violent offenders as in nonviolent lists. Right. I understand the thought process behind that when it comes to overcrowding. I don't, I don't agree with it, but I understand that. But letting out guys that, uh, that stab to death the uh, a 16-year-old girl for yeah. – just, just, where does – now well, and, and – do they think that those details aren't going to get out to the public? 
that these parole hearings are done in a vacuum? Well, especially if they go back to the community from which they were incarcerated. I mean, just imagine you go back and you and, and you and you see the name and you go, wait a minute. Uh, you right. go, uh, Richard Allen Davis, Herman Monk. You know, <laughs> wait a minute. I wasn't that remember. the guy that threw his? <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah. You share a name with the guy who pushed his wife off a cliff and then bashed her head in with a boulder. Does that ever dog you in any way? Does it ever bring you down? That's the thing. Um, you know, because it's hard to put yourself in in the shoes of a victim's family member, or whatever. But you just think of like Petaluma, where you grew up, sure. or Nevada, where mm-hmm. I grew up, and and you think about those cases. I remember the. Um, the the kidnapping and murder of Jennifer Moore. That was a big story. Wow. That's a, a callback. Yeah, yes. like 1989, right. maybe. It was a huge story. And the, if you say those that name to somebody in the area who lived at the time, oh my gosh, that's right. If you found out that the guy that murdered her behind that church or whatever and chopped her up yeah. was free, it would galvanize your sit. It would be like all anyone could talk about. Did you hear about the guy that killed Jennifer Moore? He's he's living down across yeah. from the Vikings. He's in Unit you know, 3B right now. Right, right, right. Vic, I, I mentioned Vicki Waters. That was the spokeswoman who said that uh, D.A. Ramos was wrong on his facts and that he was politicizing all of this. She says that the, the board under the law, this is, again, the Board of Parole um, Hearings, under the law has to assess whether individuals have turned their lives around and, and that they reject parole the vast majority of time. Like I said, uh, 80% of the time was the number that she used. The, and then she goes on to say that the people who make up the board, uh, the 15 people, men and women who are on the board, are public safety professionals, including a former prison warden, an assistant sheriff, CHP division chief, supervising deputy district attorney, and others. One of the things that we're going to do, I-, I think, over the next few days is learn more about these commissioners and go through kind of their biographies yes. about who they are and what they do. Because I think even as as great as it is, I mean, she, to- she pointed to these people having – uh, dedicated their lives to public safety, public service, and are now serving on this board of commissioners. So the assumption being that they're very level-headed when it comes to something like this. There's nothing wrong with also picking a soccer mom from Garden Grove and putting her on the board of parole commissioners and going, wait a minute, hold on a second. Yeah, You guys may think that it's okay because the guy took a cage or rage class for the last, uh, you know, twice a week for the last three months, that he has somehow turned around his life and changed his personality from whence he shot his wife five times, but I, as a mom of three little kids, do not feel safe with this guy out of prison. My kids play soccer every Saturday morning on that field right there, and there's no metal detectors or crazy detectors to let people in, you know, the people in the communities. Absolutely. Um, What was I going to say? I would love to get one of those people on. I mean, not even to yell at them, not even to be a John. (laughs) You know, you no, no, no. I'm curious about the line of thought. Have they been ordered to just let more people out? Uh, That is a good question. Like what what goes is the prison overcrowding at all a criteria for or criterium for why they would let somebody out because it shouldn't be even in a wink wink nod nod way i mean that's that's the kind of pressure that judges are under you know they've been basically told this is an overcrowding situation so give people more chances it takes a lot to go to prison in california these days <laughs> you get many many chances that is true we do have uh the story and some information up on the website if you want to go to kfiam640.com Use the keyword Gary and Shannon. One of the other things that you can do uh, to, you know, D.A. Ramos said 
let your state legislators know, your assembly person, your state, uh, state senator, let them know that you're upset about this pattern that has apparently developed where being over 60 is a, enough of a positive that, hey, you might as well get out and allow uh, a murderer to bash somebody else in the head with a Imagine boulder, you're shoot a, them a, five times, slice their neck, whatever it is. 45 years old or whatever, and uh, your wife's getting on your nerves, and you're due to get a lot of money when she dies, and you hear stories about how the California Parole Board's letting people out at 60. Oh, you can do 15 years for that. I mean, seriously, though. Sure. Basically, it's a small come, price to pay, come right? To California, do you- do your killing? Um, I I know that my I have met my state assembly member a couple of times, and I know that he is on the right side of this. Uh, but I don't know. I haven't talked to my state senator about this. You can just you can go on to uh, findyourrep.legislature.ca.gov. And it will tell you, just type in your quick address, tell you who is your state representative, who your state assembly member is, and you could just start firing off those emails and letting them know that this is pissing you off, that this board of parole hearings uh, is making some wrong decisions, very wrong decisions. Coming up next, punishing your kids. What does it do to them? What does it do to you? Justin Worsham, host of the Dad Podcast, joins us. He's researched all of this and will fill us in. Gary and Shannon will continue. From the black to the blue to black, black, you know, black, all on the cat, just a cat, black, you know, I caught the red, the red, red, the red trap, all I Gary and Shannon. Still uh, keeping an eye on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. That volatility that we've seen the last couple of days has not gone away yet. So it was down, uh, I think, 700 points earlier today. It's recovered some of that, so it's down about 350 last I checked. Also uh, watching this poll from the Public Policy Institute of California that shows there is a uh, statistical dead heat between Gavin Newsom and Antonio Viragosa, 23% to 21%. Right now, with Newsom just a tiny lead, it's my, definitely shrunk in the last couple of I weeks. Le- I left my phone in the office, and I picked it up, and I had uh, uh, 11 text messages. From who? And I was For like, whom? what the heck? And it was all about the Jimmy Garoppolo money. Oh. <laughs> it was everybody basically in my phone, I 11 have, people. I did the same uh, thing. That texted me. <laughs> I had one text from my daughter. About Jimmy G? Please. Oh. I was like, oh. I knew no, I love that but kid. To give you an idea, she wrote, <laughs> I aced that chem test. Aw. That's so great. Good job, you. But she didn't tell me a score, so I don't know what that means. Okay. So it could be a low A? It could be a 92? <laughs> right, which is like. <laughs> that happened to me today with my six year old. He came in and he goes, I got a 52 on my math test. And my wife, being the mom, is like, my Oh, wife. good for you. And I was like, Whoa, whoa, 52 out of what? Yeah. And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> He's in first grade. So. But 52's a lot of points, Dad. Yeah, was, but if it's out of 100, we got to talk. i got to get you a tutor or something. Justin Warsham has joined us. He is the host of The Dad Podcast, which you can check out at thedadpodcast.com. An opportunity here, Justin. Hang out, talk with other dads and other parents, and talk with kid child psychologists uh-huh. and doctors and therapists and all that sort of stuff. Um, and you just sent me that. I got to reply to that. I got to get back on. Yeah, there. Gary, you got to come on. Got to talk more empty nest stuff. I'm, I'm telling you. I, I, really, I, think, sp- I think you should talk to my wife more about it. Let's have you both on. In fact, she came to me after we talked about the empty nest thing last time you joined us. 
And uh, she had some good feedback about, you know, it's not just the idea of being in a house with, you know, without the children. It's the circumstances under which they leave. Uh, so you anyway. think she would come on the show, too? I don't know. She's crazy. Let's ask her. But I'll send her an invite. Do you have any wine or anything? Oh, absolutely. Okay, I have wine. Well, I've got a wine sponsor now. She, she really likes Monkey Shoulder. Okay. Which is not a wine, but no, I'm saying to step it up and not. What is that? That's a fortified wine called what Scotch is Whiskey. What is monkey Shoulder. It's a whiskey. It's a oh. not a single malt. That's a blended malt. It is. Yeah, yeah. it's good. It's really good. It's got a little oh. metal monkey on the bottle. I got oh, some Booker's cute. Bourbon. If that'll do in a pinch, 130 proof. She likes bourbon. We're talking about harsh punishment. Yes. Yeah, speaking of, I give my kids bourbon. What's up? So, <laughs> so uh, punishments are one of those things that can draw the ire of other parents mm. if you share with them. The punishment style that you have for your kids' transgressions. Well, and at some point, I would like to, if we can't get into this segment, then maybe the next one, I'd like to hear what is the most impactful time you were punished by your parents. Like, what was that moment for you? Because, like, in looking back at this, so you had, you know, spanking, right? Mm -hmm. And then that kind of went the way of the dodo, and then they started leaning towards timeouts. That's when I kind of became a part of the parenting world now uh, timeouts are considered too harsh uh, because you're isolating them. Um, I know Gary's eyes are already rolling in this. And let me first make this clear. Like, I'm a huge fan of therapy and therapists. They've helped me a ton. But, uh, and I talk to them all the time on the show. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I always agree with them or that if I don't like what they're saying, that I think that they're wrong. You know what I mean? Like, I think you could disagree about what they're trying to say to you without saying they're wrong and here's my example still believe in therapy Yes, like my example is that dr tina Payne bryson was on the show she wrote one of my favorite parenting books it's the whole brain child and she uh, talks about how when your child is upset especially when they're younger that the way that you can calm them down so that you can connect and and redirect the behavior is you lay down on the ground i've shared this with you before Mm -hmm. and you look up at them and you say i see you're upset Oh, boy. And that makes me just want to throw things in the air and go, are you effing kidding me? Right. I will never, ever do that. But if I was close-minded to what she said on that point, I would miss that a big part of why she says that. Because if you look at it, she's right, right? Because it... That you're you're taking a submissive stance, and and it, it, it's a faster, more effective way to achieve the goal of calming your kid down. Because what I learned from her is that when the kids are younger, their emotional brain develops before the logical one, and so that's why younger kids will have fits about I wanted a green bowl, and now they're having an emotional breakdown. Are there people where the logical brain never develops, and they Ooh. still have fits in adulthood? Yes. Yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> I think we have a couple of those. There's Gary a high Busey percentage comes to of them mind, who I think, work or? here, probably. Yeah. 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 Although he had trauma, so anyway, maybe that's sorry. unfair. But yeah. anyway, Go no, ahead. it's a good question. But so my point is, is that I learned from that, and I and I realized that you can't. It all. She also pointed out that you can't start to connect with your kid until they've calmed down, right? So that's true. I I oh, like big time. I internalize that, so I try to calm them down. I've never done the lay down thing, and maybe that means that I think that I'm better, but I don't think it means that they don't have a point. So what I try to do with all of this information is I try to take it, take it with an open mind and I Rorschach it a little bit. I process it and go, what does this mean to me? What kind of tools are in here that I can use? Uh, and that the biggest one that I think is, is going back to my other point. So you, now we can't spank. Now we can't do timeouts. I feel like pretty soon we're just going to have to have deep eye contact with children in order to discipline them. And we're, <laughs> we're about right there. They say that even grounding kids long-term doesn't really do anything. It doesn't Listen, have the effect. I, I, I will say this because we're, we're running up against the Lenten season now for the Catholic Church. Mm. And I'm not Catholic, but I still, I still observe Lent in some way. 
because I think that there's a there's a grounding aspect to it, not grounding like you're grounded, yeah. but a grounding like a settling of your thoughts, etc. There's a there's a there's a reason why you take something away from somebody. If like in the context of what we were just talking about with D.A. Mike Ramos from San Bernardino, there's a reason you take freedom away from people. It's because they've created or caused some uh, some negative thing to happen. And when your kids do something negative, they've got to learn that the world is not just going to lie down below them and say, I see your situation. Yes. It's going to take something away right. from them, whether it's it's money because they made a, a bad financial decision, whether it's a house because they can't afford their mortgage, whether it's a girlfriend because they went out too late and didn't tell the girlfriend when they were whatever. I mean, they, they will. The world will take things away from you when you do something wrong. Preach. This, is, this is where I think society <laughs> right breaks away from its boundaries, norms, rules, whatever you want to call it, from what how our brains are wired psychologically. Yeah. And that a psychologist or a therapist is going to come out and go, this is all I see. That's their worker aunt. That's all. Like, this happened to me. I took my kid to the optometrist this week. He told my kids, if you're staring at a computer screen for about 15 minutes, stare off into the distance to give your eyes a chance to relax and exercise. So my kid goes to school the next day and goes, I can't look at the computer. My doctor said I can't. I was like, dude, you're killing me here. They, they spend like three hours a day on a computer now. Doctor. So I think a therapist is going to look at that, but I, I agree wholeheartedly is that that's where as a parent, you got to take those two schools of thought and go, where can I find a way of bridging those gaps? Much like bridging the irrational, emotional brain with the logical brain, because to me, the logical brain is the world that they're going to have to live in, right? That's the one that they're going to have to go into. You're not going to have a boss who's like, I see you don't like that I asked you to work this Saturday. Tell me about why you feel that way. Mm-hmm. So, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be completely cold, which I think is when you start looking around online and talking to experts, it can become very polarizing. It's, it's, it's two extremes. All right, we got to take a break here. We'll I'm talk. Sorry. No, it's okay. I see that you're upset. Uh-huh. Okay. Get up. Nobody can hear you on the ground, Jen. I'm going to slap both of you. <laughs> uh, when, when we come back, we'll, we'll answer that question that you asked also. What was the most meaningful yes. punishment that we received uh, as kids? And I'll give you some quick pointers of like kind of the new school thought, which I do think has a lot of validity. This new way of kind of disciplining and, and, uh, and correcting kids. Justin right. Warsham has joined us, host of the Dad Podcast. We'll be back with that in just a second. Gary and Shannon, KFIM 640. Gary and Shannon, on Thursdays, we welcome in Justin Warsham, host of the Dad Podcast. We're talking about punishments for kids. Uh, Skyler says, when I said bad words, my mom put liquid soap on a toothbrush and brushed my teeth with it. I haven't cursed in in front of her since. That was 28 years ago. That's the dilemma I have, right? Because I feel like we were all hit in our generation, and it seems like such a more effective way to get to listen. But research has shown that if you actually move to spanking your kid because, say, their behaviors escalate, mm-hmm. it actually escalates their behavior even more. Like, it's a weird kind of, they the subconscious wants that negative attention for some dumb reason. I don't know why. I think one of the I was reading through this um, uh, one specific article that had you printed out about what to do instead of grounding your kid. Yes. But I'm just in terms of ways to deal with, hey, I'm going to punish you. Let's figure out, you know, you got to lay the groundwork as to why a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times. And one of the things is to get them to actually verbalize what they did. Because chances are they know what the transgression is. They know which rule they've broken. But why does it upset you so much, like, as a parent? I don't know if kids know why it's such a serious offense. What? 
you know, whatever Anything. you do. Oh, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, and it's it. Like, why does it bother you as a parent? That's why part of it is depending on how old they are, yeah. if they can understand what I would like m- my you, logical you, argument for it. You get caught uh, with cigarettes or sure. or something, and it's like, oh, you're grounded, and then the conversation stops. Instead, I think sometimes right. instead of you're grounded because this stuff will kill you. Yeah. And I know right now you're just being rebellious and it makes you feel older and cool or whatever. But I'm concerned for you and I'm concerned for your health and, and your future health. And that's why the punishment is being made. Well, ironically, Shannon, you being the dink in the room right now have stumbled upon what is the new key to grounding slash punishment. Uh, it seems to mostly apply to older, like teenage kind of age kids. And that if you just punish them and ground them without that conversation, then the focus becomes on the unfairness of the punishment in their mind. Right. That they're not actually learning the corrective behavior. So what you're supposed to do now is have that conversation where you ask them the questions. Why was it from your angle? Like they had an example that I liked where it's, you know, say they had a curfew and they stayed out too late for the curfew. Uh, then, you know, why didn't you come home? Oh, because my friend was upset. Or another example was they were supposed to go to a study session, but instead they went and played basketball with their buddies. And that if you don't ask the kid, you can't really understand why, what was their motive. Right. And if until you understand their motive, you don't know how to really correct the behavior, right? And it kind of only works, though, with kids that are communicating with their parents. Correct. You know what I mean? Like if I got caught coming in at a half hour after my curfew or whatever, and my parents would say, you know, well, where were you? I probably wouldn't tell them the real reason. I'd probably make something up like the line at Taco Bell was really long, yet I was very hungry. When, in fact, I maybe had a fight with a with a boyfriend or something. You know what I mean? Like, right. it only works if you can communicate she with your kids. She hadn't finished but, her 12-pack yet. But and, uh, this, is, this is the... <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Shannon has... <laughs> I never drank as a youth. Why? Yeah. You can't become a right. credible journalist as a... With the, <clears throat> with the smell of stale beer on your breath? Point is, Shannon has just frightened me because the, <laughs> the biggest part that we kind of miss in this research is lying. And the ability to, because sometimes in a, in a parent, when you're interacting you know. with a kid, it, you know, but you have to kind of work in court of law knowing, you know what I mean? Like you have to have You can't proof. establish the evidence chain. I, right. I, I think that's, <laughs> but, but that's a good point. For example, you use the example, I'm, I was late because my buddy's car broke down or, or we were changing his tire, he got a flat or something like that. Well, I mean, I suppose I could do the detective work and see, did Jimmy's car really have a flat tire? And really, were you, you know, where you said you were? I could do all that detective work, but it smells fishy to begin with. So, yeah. And uh, options that they give for uh, alternatives to just saying you're stuck in your room for a week or whatever is one that I really liked is that you have job cards. So you have jobs that they have to complete based on whatever the punishment is, you know. And then the thing I liked about that is what the psychologist said is that then you gives you the opportunity to actually punish them multiple times in a day. Whereas if they're serving time in their room for three to six and they do something again, you're just going to extend their sentence. You know what I mean? And it doesn't have the same impact. But the biggest thing was short term grounding in quotes Mm -hmm. seems to be the best and where you give them the opportunity to earn back the privilege. So to use the example of violating curfew, I think this is really great where you say, okay, you broke the curfew and you said you didn't come home because you're, you know, your buddy got upset or whatever, right? 
okay, I get that. That doesn't change the fact that there's a better way to do that. And through the conversation, you come together where you kind of guide them to saying, you still need to let me know, call me, text me, so I know where you are so I can come get you, right? So you're still in trouble. Two weeks, you can't go out with your friends, right? And then when the two weeks are up, you can go out to your friends, but remember how your curfew used to be 10 o'clock? Now it's 9 o'clock. And if you could show me for a few weeks that you can show up at 9 right. o'clock, we'll extend it back to 9.30, and they slowly earn it back. That was always my attitude with grounding was, I'm going to start out with the maximum penalty, and if you want to earn back a couple of days off of that or, you know, like time on the curfew or something like that, show me with your attitude how it is that, that you're going to change. Are you going to talk to me about what really happened that night? Are you going to be truthful with me about what Jimmy's flat tire slash, uh, you know, 12-pack? Or <laughs> or are you going to continue to live the, live the lie? Because I, I can... It doesn't bother me to ground you for five days. It doesn't cost me anything. Right. You know, I'm not incarcerating you. You, I, I'm going to have to feed you anyway, so you're in there. But if you want to come and show some remorse, like parole board, you want to show some remorse, you want to take ownership over what happened, you want to explain how it's not going to happen again, then we'll talk about, you know, instead of five days, it's three days. Or instead of a, a 9 o'clock curfew, maybe it's a 10 o'clock curfew, whatever it is. But... To have that, to, to, to prove to them it's also not just a, you know, a 100% punishment and I'll talk to you on Thursday kind of thing as opposed to an ongoing conversation. Here's the punishment the way it stands. Now it's in your hands. I'm you sure can there's some that. sort of research, though, that tells parents to, like, stick to their guns because they don't want to appear weak to their kids. Yeah, I like yeah. that you haggled Consist- with your yeah. kids. Well, no, no, I didn't. It wasn't. My mom was a, like, "You're screwed." Wasn't so. necessarily, <laughs> same, same. Wasn't necessarily so bargaining. Yeah. It was. It was more like, uh, "Here's here's the way it's going to go. Yeah. You can work your way out of it." But see, the perception is that they still have power in the right. in this by making right. choices in the the way you want them yeah. to. The other last bit uh, before, and I don't know if we have time, but I would like to hear your discipline oh. stories. The last oh. bit is that they say you need to model. The behavior that, that is a better thing to, which is so frustrating as a parent because we want our kids to be better than who we are. But evidently, if you just be the person that you want them to be, that's the strongest message. Mm, that sucks. More is caught than taught. So you're grounded too. Yeah, yeah. No fun for you either. Well, we'll I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll no save mine. Uh, you save yours. We'll come back and do it right after the top of the hour before we get into trending. Okay. Okay. Justin Warsham is hosted Dad Podcast. Find it at dad, thedadpodcast.com. We'll be back with Gary and Shannon.